got some Bible college students here who love to really dig and delve. I love those chapters. God blessed John with the ability to keep really good notes. There was no shorthand. And you think, how did he recall all that detail? How did he? Because I'm amazed at how many people do not take notes during church. And you can't remember what the message was on. But here's John, who can remember in great detail how Jesus taught and exhorted and communicated and reached out to the disciples in the upper room on that last night. And I think of it as an intensive because Jesus is really speaking into them quick and fast and so much information. He knows his time is short and it's like, have I covered everything? Have I given them everything they need to know? Have I corrected them? Have I encouraged them? Have I exhorted them enough? Have I made things clear? Have I done it all? Is it all complete? And then they sing a hymn and they leave for Gethsemane. Jesus, if you read the account, as he's still walking along the way to Gethsemane, he's still teaching, he's still exhorting. And in the garden, Jesus takes Peter, James and John, the inner circle of trust, takes them away from the other disciples because Judas has already left to betray him. And he says to these three, wait here and pray, lest you enter in temptation. Wait. So Jesus goes away to pray and straight away they fall asleep. And in the natural, we think, oh, we would never have done that. We wouldn't have, we were with Jesus. We wouldn't have done that. Remember, John and Peter have had a big day doing the preparation and having intensive in the upper room. And the hour is getting late. Of course, they're falling asleep. So Jesus returns. And when you read it, it says, Simon Peter, wake up. He's talking to Peter again, wake up watch and he goes away again to pray and when he comes back again they're asleep again and he says to them wake up my time has come I've been betrayed here they come so the disciples walk on with Jesus and we read as they come to take Jesus away Peter's fervor gets the better of him grabs his sword and swipes the ear off a servant And Jesus reaches down and collects the ear and pops it back on and performs a miracle. Even as he is being arrested, Jesus is still loving one another. And then all the disciples, it says, flee while Jesus is led away. Stay with me, I'm getting to it. Okay. Stay with me. Okay, Luke 22. Luke 22. So Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin. It's the supreme court for the Jews who enforce messianic law and they are questioning him, trying to trip him up. And here we see in Luke 22 verse 54, it says, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Peter sat down. Notice Peter is at the fire keeping himself warm. He is watching from afar all that's taking place with Jesus at the court proceedings. And we know that Jesus is declared guilty. Quite often Christians say Jesus is found guilty. He wasn't guilty. But they declared guilt over him. 
they declared him guilty, they sentenced him and crucified him. And three days later, he's resurrected from the tomb. Now, I want to show you something. Hold your place there if you can. And if you go to John 21, we're going to look at something. This is the account that Peter has gone back to be a fisherman. He's gone back to be a fisherman. He's out on the lake fishing. This is the same Peter we read about in John and Luke who said, I will lay down my life for you. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And he's gone back fishing. So here we see Peter on the lake returning to his former life and then someone calls out in verse 5, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, no fish, they say. No fish. So they're told to throw the net out the other side. And what do you know? A huge haul. A huge haul. Have you ever noticed that they never catch fish unless Jesus is involved? Have you noticed that? You should read the account. It's hilarious. Good point. Don't go fishing unless you're going to take Jesus with you. Don't strive under your own strength when you go fishing. Just saying. But here we see that John recognises it's the Lord. So Peter abandons ship and swims to shore. New Olympic record. Off that boat. Because remember when Jesus was resurrected and he said to Mary at the tomb, tell the disciples and Peter. This is Peter's moment. This is Peter's moment. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Verse 8, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Verse 12, Jesus says, come and have breakfast. So here is Jesus, fire lit, breakfast served. Church, two fires, completely different scenarios. If you're taking notes today, the message is entitled, Two Fires. So let's go back to the first fire in Luke 22. Verse 54, then seizing him, they led him away and took him to the house of the high priest and Peter followed at a distance, but when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. We know what kindling is, yes? I did this week, it was freezing up in the valley. I was wearing a puffer jacket inside the office with the heater on full and trying to get the fire going with the kindling. And if you can't get the kindling to light up, you have no fire. You have no fire. So here it says, they are, when, but when they had kindled a fire, they've only just got it going, right? Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight and she looked closely at him. Looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, was with Jesus. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. And he goes, man, I am not. We don't know the tone, but there's an exclamation mark there. I like details. Peter's starting to 
get a little bit more upset. Something in him is ticking him off. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. You know, when you read this account, it's just a few short hours before that, that Peter was willing to lay down his life for Jesus. In the scheme of things, just a few short hours, he was in the upper room with all the disciples, with Jesus, breaking the bread, drinking from the cup, reclining at the table with Jesus, and all was well with the world. But imagine as that rooster crows, Peter remembers Jesus' prophecy that he would be, in fact, denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus looks straight at Peter. Pierced to his heart, no wonder he walked away from that fire and wept bitterly. Everything he had said to the Messiah, I will never leave you. I would even die with you. Remember Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And it was Peter who said, you are the Christ. He was the first one. You are the Christ. Peter got it. He was the first one that got it. And then the rooster crowed. Church, this is the fire of disappointment, the fire of regret. Let's go across back to John 21, back to the shoreline. Verse 9, it says, Jesus has lit a fire and prepared breakfast. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. It's got some heat. And there's fish on it and some bread. But there's no lecture when Peter comes ashore. Have you ever noticed that? There's never any lecture. Remember when Jesus looked straight at Peter? I think Jesus did it out of love and compassion, not condemnation. It wasn't a look of, I told you so, but you wouldn't listen. I think that what pierced Peter's heart was love. And it was that same love that had him dive off the boat and go to Jesus. And just like in the upper room, Jesus was serving. He was serving breakfast. And I think it would have been a pretty hearty breakfast. The boys were back together again, reminiscing, breaking bread, sharing fish, chatting away. But there's no indication from in the scriptures here that there's any condemnation. Marvellous, beautiful Jesus. But then Jesus has a little talk with Peter. You know the talk, don't you? Verses 15 to 17. He asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs then, Peter. And then he says, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, care for my sheep. Do you love me, Lord? Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. He says, feed my sheep. And I think it's an interesting dialogue. Do you love me? Three times. Because each time he said, do you love me? He said, you know I love you, Lord. 
Feed my lambs, denial deleted. Care for my sheep, denial deleted. Love my sheep, denial deleted. It's powerful. There's no retribution. Just a simple instruction in verse 19. Follow me, Jesus says. Because Jesus is commissioning Peter. Two completely different fires. We have the fire of disappointment and the fire of commissioning. I want to ask you this morning, which one are you seated at? Are you at the fire of disappointment, warming yourself? Who doesn't love sitting beside a good fire and warming themselves? I mean, when it's roaring, it's magnificent, isn't it? It's intriguing, it's fascinating, it's comfortable and cosy. You get all snugly and warm by a fire, but you can also get sleepy and lazy and stuck. Denial, bitterness and unforgiveness, they'll keep you to a fire of disappointment. And they'll keep that fire of disappointment burning. And you know what? It's a lonely place sitting at the fire of disappointment. Been there. Horrible, lonely, desperate place. Staying at the fire of disappointment is not standing in faith. It's fear. It's futile. It's a futile way to live. Staying there being self-focused does not give him the glory and the honour. We don't belong there. As children of the living God, it's not where we are to stay. There's no victory in that. There's no triumph in that. We don't belong there. But many do choose to stay there. They stir up the embers every now and again just to keep a little glow going, right? Just to keep it going. There's no heat there. Or here's the other choice. Are you at the fire of commissioning? Are you at the fire of send me, Lord, I'm ready? Have your way. You'll be thinking, that's a great fire to be at. I'll be at that one. Are you at the fire of being positioned, prepared and purposed? Positioned, prepared and purposed. People can get a word, they can be commissioned, but then they don't do anything about it. When I was thinking about this, I'm not going to, but I could give you lots of examples of people that have been commissioned, they've had a prophetic word spoken over them, but then they stay by the fire of commissioning, saying, I've had this word, come and get me God, I'm ready. But they don't move from it, they stay seated at that fire. They're so pleased, for the want of a better word, of having a word, but they don't walk out what God has for them. And some even commission themselves. I had a girl in my, a woman in my connect group once, and she was, um, I'd say, a new Christian. She'd
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's like being in the valley, having technical difficulties. Oh. It's faith, I tell you. It's faith. We have to be willing, like Peter, to give it all. To give it all. It's not about titles. It's not about platforms. It's about him. I was thinking about another lady this week. I used, we, before we went to Kiwa Valley, we were in Faith City. It's now New Life, New Life Chapel. Well, when we were in Faith City. And there was a lady that was very quiet in our converse, con, uh, congregation. One of those little gems, you know, Pekka. Unassuming, quiet. She would come in every week. Just quietly slip in the door with a cloth and a spray bottle. And she'd clean all the hand plates on the doors. We had cleaners, but she'd noticed the hand plates weren't getting done. She used to come in every week and do the hand plates. I'm like, what an incredible woman in humility to serve the kingdom. Right? It's not always huge. God sees. Not everybody sees, but God sees. And I think great will be her reward because she has a heart. Whatever's in her hand, that's what God's commissioned her to do. That's what he's commissioned Two fires, fire of disappointment and regret and the fire of commissioning. I told you the message this morning was two fires, but there are three. You know there are three. There's always more with God. Acts 1, verse 4, on one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Do you think the disciples were going to listen this time? Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, because if you read in chapter 1, Jesus was with them for about 40 days, it says. And he says in a few days... You will receive the comforter, which turns out to be 10 days. 10 days later, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly, I love the suddenlies of God, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind. There was no wind, but it was the sound of a violent wind from heaven from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do. Tongues of fire. Wouldn't you want to be in that place when that came? There are things that you read in the Bible and go, oh, that would have been awesome. I can't wait to meet Peter. Can't wait to have a conversation with him. Tongues of fire filling the whole house. The whole house. All of them were filled. All of them were filled. You know, early days in refreshed church, I was talking to someone in our church who's about to turn 70. He's only been at refreshed church and it's 65 years old. 
So he was doing house church before they built the building. His dad donated the land. His dad and his brothers built the church. It's a great testimony. But he was telling us they were at his parents' place. Same thing happened. They heard the wind, the curtains up to the ceiling. No wind outside. Nothing. Wow. He said the presence of God. He was five years old and he can remember it. The tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled. Anyone like that fire? Anyone like that fire? Positioned, prepared, purposed and now empowered. Now empowered. The third fire is holy fire. Holy fire. Let's have a look at verse 11. It says, then Peter stood up. Then Peter stood up. He's not sitting down anymore. He's not sitting around a fire. He's not sitting around a fire warming himself like he was at the fire of disappointment. He's not feasting at the fire of commissioning. But now with the holy fire of God in him, it says he stood up and raised his voice. Arguably, best sermon ever preached. Have a read later. Great gospel message. Peter. Verse 23, this man, he says, was handed over to you, Jesus, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge that you, with the help of wicked men, put to death by nailing him to the cross. He is not mincing words anymore. You nailed him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Impossible. Impossible. What a mighty spirit-filled preacher he was. This is the same man who lived and walked with Jesus, denied him three times, returned to his previous life. He turned back. He forgot to look up. Let's not forget to look up. Fix your eyes on Jesus. But now filled with the Holy Spirit and preaching him. He never denied Jesus again. He's known as one of the most fiery preachers of the gospel. He was steadfast in his devotion to our Saviour right up to the point of death. He did not deny him. He did not stay at the fire of disappointment. He moved on. Jesus grabbed him at the fire of commissioning and said, you don't belong over there. You don't belong here, Peter. You don't need to stay at the fire of disappointment. You're forgiven, you are redeemed. But at the fire of commissioning, what is he telling me? Come follow me. Get up, move, don't stay, don't get comfortable. Don't live off the words of the commissioning, of the prophetic word for the next 20 years before anything gets done. Church, we're running out of time. I've got people saying, do you think we'll see end times? Honey, we're living in times. We are living it. Don't waste it. We have to move on. We cannot, we cannot remain seated at either fire. It's good to get a word, a prophetic word over you. It's good to have a commissioning. I, Holy Spirit's marvellous. He brought this to remembrance last night. 
I was at the fire of disappointment. Still going to church, still doing everything I needed to do that was in my hand. Then we had a regional meeting. Keith walked up to me and goes, hey, you. Something big in you. Thank God for Pastor Keith. He's been so faithful to Tony and I in speaking life and encouragement and affirmation into us. Because I was here at the fire of disappointment, so broken. So broken. But that encouraging word changed everything. Changed everything. But I didn't stay at the commissioning didn't stay there. Acts 2 verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You're not being baptized for the forgiveness of your husband's sins or your wife's or your kids or your parents or your neighbor's. It's for your sins. It's a personal relationship that you enter into. And then he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. You cannot earn it. It's a gift. It's a gift. He's a giver. Jesus is not a taker. He's a giver. He wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, the promise is for you and your children. We have two sons who are not following the Lord. But my prayer continues to be they do not belong to the enemy. We dedicated them when they were babies. They belong to the Lord. But God creating them a new heart. Turn them from their ways, God, back to you. Don't give up on your kids. It's never too early to start praying for your grandchildren. Zoe and Darren, start now. Don't ever give up praying for your kids. And then I love this. It says the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Yes, far off in distance outside Jerusalem, but far off in time. We are 2,000 years down from when Peter preached this word. And it's just as powerful today as it was then. The Holy Spirit hasn't grown weaker. And our kids, our our grandchildren, our babies do not have a Holy Spirit around them that's a junior-sized Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who works in wonderful, powerful ways. And it says, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Three fires. Three fires, your choice. We are people of the Holy Spirit. People of the Holy Spirit do not live in disappointment. When I've interviewed several of you here for accreditation, you may have heard me say, nothing is wasted in God. Everything we go through, if you choose, you can use it for good. Nothing is wasted in God. We're people who live and walk by the Holy Spirit. We're people who look up, not down, and we do not dwell on the past. We are people who know what we carry. We carry him. 
We are people of influence. We know what holy fire is. And that's real fire. That's fire that cannot be extinguished. Okay? We talk about having a fire, like our neighbour had a beauty going recently. It whistled. You could hear it. It was like a tornado. But it still doesn't compare to the Holy Spirit. I would never want to do life now without the Holy Spirit. You cannot extinguish it. In case you don't know, there is nothing like the Holy Spirit. But how about stirring it up? Don't let it lie dormant. Don't sit there just giving it a poke every now and again to make sure that ember is sort of, you know, got a bit of a glow to it. That's not Holy Spirit fire, right? No more fire of disappointment. When Pastor Keith asked me, would I come and preach, straight away the Holy Spirit gave me this message. This message is for Ignite Church. And I want to say to you today, there is no more fire of disappointment, Ignite Church. No more fire of disappointment. No more sitting around the fire of commissioning. You know, stretching your legs out, warming your toes, putting your bed socks on getting your PJs on. You don't have time anymore. You don't have time. It's time to get moving. It's time to get moving. I would say to you all this morning, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all.